Hi, my name is Rob Scott from UC Today and welcome to our August Microsoft Teams news update. So as always, I'm joined by Microsoft Teams expert and co-founder of Empowering Cloud, Tom Abuthnot. And together with our panel of experts, we're going to be talking through the most popular Teams headlines from the past few weeks. Welcome, Tom. How's it going? Yeah, really good. Thanks. Yeah, it's uh, quieted a little bit down as we just head into August. But news-wise, it's still been really busy. We've had Microsoft's end of FY and we've had their partner conference, their Inspire conference. So even though it's August, still a lot to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. It, uh, we always say this somewhere around uh, August that oh, it's going to go a little bit quiet. But you know what? Inspire, you know, did uh, did give give us what we were looking for, right? Which is plenty of news. Some new teams feature announcements at the partner conference was interesting, and uh, yeah, just general phone and copilot, lots of news there as well. So a lot to talk about. Good stuff. Well, we've got a great panel of guests on today as well. So welcome, everybody. Uh, let's first of all just cover off uh, Microsoft's latest Q4 results. Tom, why is that so significant? Yeah, so this is the end of their financial year of 2023. So just announced results. So Microsoft often drip numbers into those results. And obviously, they're very, very vetted numbers because they're going out as financial results. So you can generally kind of rely on them. It's, it's interesting to see what they announce. because They don't announce, obviously, because they want to kind of keep the markets interested. They don't announce exactly the same numbers or exactly the same format every year. So you have to see what they're announcing and what they care about. Um, but the, the headline number, which we should dive into, is we got a new Microsoft Teams phone active seats. So not licensed active, and that's 17 million PSDN users. So a jump from the last official announcement we had was 12 million, um, which is up 45% year over year. And I think it's about 5 million in the last year. Um, we also heard some announcements around Teams Premium, their uh, upsell per user license. That's up to uh, 600,000 users since it's launched in February. Uh, and then we got some kind of announcements that we've heard before. 70% um, of the Fortune 500 using Teams Rooms, and 1,900 apps in the Teams App Store. Uh, Office 365 commercial seats grew 11% year over year, so still significant growth there. Um, but the, the big one, obviously, was that new public Teams phone active seat number license. You wouldn't be too disappointed with those results, would you, if you were in the Microsoft Teams team at Microsoft? Uh, Kevin, what do you think, being our resident uh, you know, analyst, uh, what do you think to these numbers? What does it mean? Yeah, so obviously, you know, we have onward and upward in terms of the uh, the team's phone seats. Um, you know, it's interesting. That I think that there's there's two factors. You know, you've got in some ways this, you know, the slowing of PSTN calling, you know, that used to be the gold standard. And now, you know, certainly meetings, uh, scheduled meetings, as opposed to um, just kind of ad hoc calls. Uh, seem to be where, you know, a lot of knowledge workers spend a lot of time. So I think, you know, we continue to see that growth. I think, you know, we're going to talk a little bit later about the shared device license and, uh, you know, the opening up in India. I think that those are both going to um, drive kind of that monthly active user number increasingly high. Um, certainly teams, at least, uh, you know, on the last kind of summary teams, for a unified communication as a service platform had the most telephony seats. But I think to put that in context, there's still hundreds of thousands of on-prem seats. So um, definitely onward and upward, but you know, huge growth potential uh, for organizations that are looking to move PSTN calling to the cloud. 
Yeah, I, th- I think you make a good point there, Kevin. That a lot of those those 17 million, they're, they're organisations that might not intend to activate everybody for Teams phone because I see a lot of enterprises now right-sizing their phone investment. So actually, it's probably representative of more seats than you would think because the organization might say i'm only going to have 50 percent of my users even need a phone license and as you say shared calling which we'll talk about later might change that absolutely yeah very interesting trend that we're seeing here isn't it and and i wonder how much uh this velocity is kind of been fueled by you know uh, microsoft's operator connect accelerator and programs and that kind of thing that have all all really fired up in the past kind of year haven't they so you know how much of that growth do you think is is kind of calling outside of microsoft's actual platform um so uh, most of it is calling plans outside of microsoft like direct routing is still the dominant um calling kind of modality or platform um operator connect is definitely growing as well but it's mostly external external carrier um I, I think a big part of it is just enterprises just take a long while to get moving so a lot of those enterprises that run teams are doing teams phone but they're just going site by site pbx by pbx you know country by country um so i know microsoft are keen to push people to go faster obviously to get those activations but um a lot of them that are already licensed are just kind of plodding along so we'll keep seeing that number tipping up as projects go i think Fantastic. Well, let's move on to Microsoft Inspire, Tom, because this is, you know, this was uh, or it was Microsoft's uh, big partner focused event. Were you expecting so many kind of, uh, you know, innovations and updates coming through at this event? Yeah, it's interesting because some 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 years at Inspire we do get feature announcements, and some years we get less, and it's more focused on the the sales and the partner partner kind of march. So it's 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 always a mixed bag as to whether we get genuine feature announcements. But this time we did get some genuine feature announcements. Um, the big topic, obviously, across the whole of that show was Copilot. Copilot is massively Microsoft's favorite thing they're on the hype train at the moment um, obviously I don't know if you saw the results but the financial markets reacted very strongly around the inspire time frame so um, that that was the big thing we'll talk about how that plays into teams phone and teams chat in a minute but um, first of all we got the all up kind of co-pilot for Microsoft 365 pricing so Microsoft are looking to charge $30 per user per month to add Copilot to M365, so that'll be across Teams, PowerPoint, Excel, Outlook, etc. Um, interesting reactions to that. Some people thinking it's potentially expensive. I mean, if you compare it to, say, the current top tier SKU being about 50 bucks for Microsoft, it's certainly a big addition, just just mathematically. Um, but on the other hand, some people comparing it to the potential productivity saving and time saving. And if you equate it to knowledge worker salaries, and you say I could save. You know, an hour a week just having Outlook sort my email out and create a PowerPoint presentation, then it ROIs really quickly. So, um, but the markets reacted very strongly that Microsoft seemed to be kind of, particularly with this co-pilot brand, they've kind of got the march on the AI conversation in the markets about who's going to have the innovation and how they're going to productize it into something useful for people that they can sell and you know make money out of. Really interesting. Josh, what do you think about the price? You, you look like you've got something to say on this one. Yeah, there was there was some whiplash on the pricing for for a lot of people, right? There was a lot of whoa. I'm sorry, what'd you say? How much was was that again? And um, and so I, and it's an interesting one, right? There's a lot of justification that goes into well, let's compare it to the other products on the market that do similar things, and that those products aren't taking in a whole ecosystem of products, and so 
you know, they, when they break down the value of the price and there's a lot of community support for the price too, it, it tends to make more sense. And I think a lot of companies are, are not going to push this out to the masses. They're going to push it out to the specific people who are going to benefit from the feature sets. Uh, but yeah, my, my take on it was, was that, uh, I did still feel it was a bit a bit higher than uh, than what I would have thought it should have been, right? It's well, it's, it's probably competitive. I think that uh, it's an awesome opportunity to increase wider ecosystem adoption for Microsoft across a great number of products, and uh, and I think if the barrier were a bit lower on that, it would just kind of help explode uh, usage and adoption of the wider platform. But that's that's my humble opinion on kind of where I thought they should have come in with that. There, there does seem to be a very healthy amount of support for that price range and uh, and the target the target user group that that will hopefully potentially end up adopting it so yeah that, that that's I think it's a really good point and that there's 600 users on the early access program and they've all paid to get into that program so they like just to get to the beat stuff so clearly that price point doesn't seem to be putting off at least the the early adopter orgs, but I, I agree with you completely. It's not. It's definitely not a no-brainer territory. It's definitely not a give it to everyone territory. Um, obviously, at enterprise scale, there's always a negotiation, right? So that's the sticker price. Like big orgs with you know tens of thousands of seats will be having a chat about how they make it make sense. But I mean, Microsoft want to like they're a commercial company. They want to monetize. This is expensive to do, and they've got to. They've you know committed 10 billion to OpenAI, but that's not charity. That's that's money they want to see back. So they're they're seeing the opportunity here to to monetize for sure. Yeah, Tom, I, I think you, you touched on this point. Uh, you know, for a lot of us who haven't had a chance to personally, we're not in that preview, and so we haven't been able to 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 we, we understand kind of theoretically um, capabilities. We've seen demo that side, but if truly, you know, the impact of these tools is, you know, I can jump into Excel and have it you know, create a pivot table and a bunch of analysis for me that I can reporting and charts that I couldn't do otherwise and lay out my PowerPoint. Yeah, this could pay for itself in an hour for a lot of people, um, and so I, I think that's um, I think that's where the the pricing could feel high. Uh, but as soon as people get a chance, if this really lives up to um, to its, its potential and expectations, it it could ROI you know super quick for most organizations. Yeah, yeah. I say if it, if it's half as good as the marketing makes out, and you do the pure, pure calculation on productivity, the pro one of the challenges with that rationale is that works on a user to user basis. But the the accounts team that signs off the extra million, you know, a quarter for licensing doesn't do maths like that. They're just like, well, we didn't have it before, and <laughs> do we need it now? Um, but I mean, a lot of organizations, I mean, not just in Copilot, but like are talking about AI now and they're kind of in a combination of scared about the regulatory and compliance and risk and worried they'll be left behind if they don't get on the bandwagon and their competitors do. And they're that much more fast, reactive, productive. So it's a bit of a um, kind of if you're if you're a CTO at a big org, you've got to at least have a conversation about this because you can't be seen to be ignoring the fact that it's going to change a lot in the next few years. Well, well, and I think one thing to keep in mind too is the compute power that's required to deliver this, right? So I know even with like Teams Premium, the meeting recap wasn't available in 
you know, most geographies because they didn't have the compute power in specific data centers. So I think, you know, on, on the financial call, the analysts were asking, because I think, you know, Microsoft's making these billions of dollars of investment, and they haven't really been clear on when this is going to be generally available. So I think the financial analysts are saying, hey, this is great, but when are you going to start being able to get the return? Uh, I still think that Microsoft has, you know, big investments that are required to scale out the compute power in the data centers. So, and every, everybody's after those NVIDIA GPUs, aren't they, as well? It's not just them. It's all the... But they said that they're going to build their own silicon to try to drive down price. But that's a long-term, you know, long-term play. But the other thing, to I think, to keep in mind is it's almost like Microsoft now has an unfair competitive advantage in a very positive way, which is, you know, you just can't go and do a query and call an API with ChatGPT from any other platform. Because what makes the results so significant and, and impactful is you do grounding, which means, you know, if I say, hey, what did Tom do yesterday on the project? It knows what Tom I'm talking about because, you know, if I'm a Microsoft shop that has access to all my meetings, all my contacts, all my documents, and in a secure way. And so, you know, the AI in Copilot combined with all my business uh, intellectual property that I've already put in, you know, Microsoft through my emails, meetings, et cetera. I think that that makes the AI that Microsoft delivers, um, it's going to have better results than, you know, kind of people just call it an API. And Microsoft are very conscious of that right now, aren't they? The, the security piece. We've seen that with Bing Chat Enterprise recently. Bing's been re, re, uh, removed temporarily from ChatGPT's platform, you know, or OpenAI's ChatGPT's platform due to some security concerns. So there's a there's a lot to play out by the sounds of things. What, what do you think, Josh? No, I, I mean, yeah, and there was another interesting announcement from Inspire around Bing Chat Enterprise and that being provided, uh, you know, with some of the licensing. So that was that was another big one. But it, it yeah, it. it there's a lot going on there. I was gonna, whatever I was gonna chime in there a moment ago was just on the whole copilot to the point Kevin was making. When you say copilot, I've heard a lot of people say, well, which copilot are you talking about? Because it's spread across so many different products within the platform. And that's part of what the differentiator is, is that its reach goes so far throughout an organization's beyond where they probably even know they have licensing at this stage. Uh, because a lot of people are licensed for things that they don't use and they don't realize they can. I think this is going to help unlock a lot of that, um, a lot of that usage for those organizations, and a lot of that adoption that Microsoft wants to see for things that are are licensed or might be licensed, but otherwise aren't touched. Um, yeah, I think that's that's a really good point. Yeah, even if you take away the like it doing stuff for you, like generating a PowerPoint or generating a Word doc, which I think you know, if you've used ChatGPT today, it gets you maybe 60, 70% of the way there. It's not doing the work for you, but it's definitely helping a lot. But if you just think of it as a training tool for like, you know, a lot of us are knowledge workers, but don't really know to, to Ryan's point, how to drive Excel, how to drive PowerPoint properly, how to use Word properly. If you can get to the point where you can say to Word in English, 
I want a table of contents in this format and it goes bang. Like that's going to help so many people that just can't drive the, I say the basics, you know, I can't do these, a lot of these things like drive the office apps to full effect. So just that is already a productivity boom before you even get into, uh, please summarize my emails or, or do clever things like that. Indeed. Well, let's double click on Copilot for Teams. Uh, there was a Teams phone update, Tom. Yeah, yeah. so we've got two Copilot announcements specific for Teams. So again, you will need this add-on license of Copilot to activate these in Teams. So one is Copilot for Teams phone, the other one is Copilot for Teams chat. Um, Teams phone is probably the most interesting one. So for both Teams phone, i.e. PSDN calls, and Teams VoIP calls, so i.e. internal peer-to-peer -peer calling or federated calling, you'll be able to activate Copilot for those scenarios too. So even if a customer's calling in on PSDN, you can press the Copilot button and do all the Copilot type things of asking for a summary, getting sentiments, um, asking for the key points made on the call, um, which is a really interesting, compelling reason to jump to Teams phone uh, to the cloud, like there's a new functionality. Previous to that, we've been saying, wouldn't it be nice to put your phone in the cloud because it's one application, it's easier, simpler, faster, cheaper. But now this is like brand new functionality for a PSDN scenario, which I don't think we've seen before. Um, and then the other one was a bit more, um, I think probably a more day-to-day -day scenario that a lot of us hit, which is you get added to a chat and you don't have any context to that chat, you can ask Copilot to say, hey, summarize the chat, what's been said so far, are there any actions on me, who's got which actions? Um, so what happens a lot in the Teams world is a project will start as a chat and you add people, like, oh, we need marketing on this, oh, we need salesperson on this, oh, Jack's dealt with this once. So they get added to a big long running thread and there's probably six really important points in a thousand messages and Copilot can kind of drag some of that out for you. And is this available today? No, as Ryan said, this is the funniest thing: is that the, the stock price really bumped. Like everybody's hyped. The the, the whole Inspire conference was partners get ready to sell this stuff. Um, but there's still no GA date. So um, um, we've got the next big show for Microsoft in November, the Ignite show, which is the customer facing show. So you've got to imagine there'll be some announcements around then. Um, but it's interesting to see Microsoft focus so heavily on this uh, for partners at their July show because they're getting them ready to, to do the prep work and sell, sell work. So you've got to think it's going to be at least, you know, this calendar so that we get something for the partners to move on. But no, no public announcements around dates. And, and even externally, all the people that are on the early access program have been sworn to secrecy in terms of sharing stuff. So there's very limited information outside of Microsoft at the moment. I think that, uh, that they, you know, there's a, probably a couple reasons for for the no J, GA date. And I think part of that is, yeah, taking our time, building the product right, you know, buttoning up everything that needs to be buttoned up and just making sure we come to market with exactly what we want to come to market with. But I kind of wonder if the other half of dragging it out without a date has to do with some of the regulatory stuff that's trying to work its way through in different geographies, because... There's still a lot of unknowns. There's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of worry, uh, concern about data. And uh, and I think that because of how fast all this, not just the Microsoft, AI in general, how fast it's hit the market, um, everything else is still trying to catch up from a legal regulatory standpoint. I kind of wonder if Microsoft is waiting to see a few key things work their way through the systems before they hit the button on that GA date. 
not only that but also their readiness towards their data centers as well uh, for the services to work seamlessly uh, in all different geographies uh, uh, while I was speaking with the Microsoft rep, uh, they mentioned that every week there are two data centers that are getting updated for uh, serving this co-pilot and AI capabilities as well. Uh, there, there is also, you know, and they emphasize this, there is also work that organizations need to do because, you know, there's the potential for oversharing of information, right? So it's not, it's not creating access to information that users shouldn't, you know, don't already have access to. But when you do a, a query and when Copilot goes out, it is going to grab all the documents that have been shared with you. And so there are some tools that Microsoft's made available um, to identify where maybe somebody has shared it with groups that they didn't intend to. So it's not, you know, it's not creating more security or compliance holes. It's just that because Copilot is so good at finding things, it's going to find everything and maybe, you know, things that you weren't supposed to, somebody overshares, right? Because not everybody understands, and, and I'm going to raise my hand sometimes too, with OneDrive where you try to share something and maybe you end up sharing it a little more broadly than you intended. So there is some pre-work that I think that they emphasize that, you know, partners can work with organizations you know, until I, I think it's going to be generally available sometime, you know, into 2024. So it's not it's not this year. And that that's the major reason why they also brought up uh, the AI partner program as well, uh, specifically concentrated towards Copilot, Bing Chat Enterprise, uh, and uh, emphasizing more of the partner to start readiness with their customer bases as well. Yeah, definitely. That was the big push, wasn't it? Get your customers ready, make sure the, the governance, compliance conversations. Also, Microsoft know it takes enterprises a long while, to Josh's point, to get their head around this kind of change. So having the partners warm up the customers so they're ready to buy when it's available is a, is a motion for Microsoft. On the other hand, the partners have got to make money and like there's only so much preparation you can do. So I think it'll be interesting to see how the partners equip themselves to do big prep projects and, and how the customers react to that as well. They got to get their strategies together about how they convince the account teams of accounting teams of their customers to to swallow the thirty dollar per user. And 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 to add to it, uh, you had Teams Premium earlier, and now you have to add on the Copilot uh, sale as well. Uh, one interesting news that was announced in the Inspire was Teams Premium and Copilot is a major focus for this year for the sales internally within Microsoft as well. So that was one of the interesting thing as well. Yeah, definitely. It's a big focus on all the upsells, isn't it? So Teams Premium, Copilot, Rooms and Phone in the Teams world. But anything that's a upsell, upping the ARPU is kind of a big focus for Microsoft. Well, and what do you think about like the Teams Premium with the Intelligent Meeting Recap? I mean, that's that licensing to me doesn't make sense. You got all the other recap, even the Teams Phone Recap that you mentioned. Like, I, I don't know, what do you, what does this group think? Like, to me, it seems like they're going to have to rationalize some of that licensing because you got one meeting recap in Team Premium and a lot of other summary capabilities in the $30 per user per month that you get with Copilot. What, what does this group think about that? 
Like it, it doesn't. It, it, if you look externally, like I want to buy the AI cleverness, the fact you have to buy two SKUs is really weird. Um, I, I can see a use case for intelligent recap without Copilot, so I can kind of see it that way around. Um, but yeah, the fact you have to buy your M365 SKUs, so you have to be on M365, not O365. Then you want all the AI goodness. You have to buy Teams Premium at ten dollars. Then you have to buy Copilot at thirty dollars as well. And if you skip the Teams Premium, you don't get your meetings recapped in AI, even though you've paid for Copilot. Um, the line Microsoft are making or trying to make is uh, intelligent meeting recap is automated. You can't interact with it. It generates for you. That's premium. The second you interact, you ask questions about the content. You want to generate a PowerPoint from the meeting summary. That's when it's Copilot. So they're trying to make that distinction, but I'm kind of with you, Kevin. It's a bit weird that the AI line is blurry. And obviously, internally to Microsoft, um, the Teams team see the revenue for Teams Premium because it's a team SKU, whereas Copilot will get spread across all the different product groups and stuff like that. So the, there's probably some, you know, kind of RevRec scenario where it helps teams to be recognized as pushing premium as well. I, I think that that will be a, a kind of rub point for a lot of customers that will that'll get back to Microsoft. And I, I, I kind of... It'll be interesting to see if they massage or offer different variations of the licensing to kind of include that over perceived overlap, right? I, I think that's, I think they have time to sort some of that out, and I probably will probably hear more on that. But uh, it is, I, I, I've heard that a few times about why well, don't get it, when, when for what, why? There's there's some clarification that really needs to hit the market on that. But uh, with Teams Premium being generally available uh, across all the market, uh, adoption of that and sell of uh, the Teams Premium would be much more quicker compared to Copilot because we don't know the exact date when it would be generally available. And uh, with Microsoft uh, focused on uh, the AI, Premium would have an ad overhead uh, advantage over the other things as well in the meantime. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, it wouldn't be the first time the product team at Microsoft uh, did a U-turn on on a brand name or a, a SKU or something like that, would it? Uh, but um, lots to play out here. So let's jump on to a couple more updates uh, from the last few weeks. Shared calling was another one mentioned, Tom. Yeah, I think this is probably the biggest announcement, actually, even though all the co-pilot stuff is, is obviously capturing everybody's attention. So shared calling is the ability for Microsoft Teams phone to support one DDI and critically one calling plan across multiple users. So in the old PBX world, it wouldn't be that unusual for some customers to say, not every user needs a DDI, so we'll have a reception number and then we'll give you an internal extension. And if you make calls out, it'll present the reception number. And if obviously if people want to call you back, they'll call reception and we'll get passed through to you. So then I don't have to pay as an organization for a DDI per user, um, which in some markets, you know, like UK, US is a dollar fifty couple of dollars, but in some markets, DDIs are extremely expensive. So things like some of the Asian countries, you can get up to like five hundred dollars a DDI potentially. Um uh, so why this is interesting is this unlocks a whole bunch of customer scenarios where they were like, well, we would do Teams phone. We're already licensed. We've got E5, but we don't want to pay for those DDIs, so we're not going to bother. So now, oh, we can share either a calling plan or direct routing or operator connect over a bunch of users 
one DDI. They get the convenience of having Teams phone, but we don't have to pay for a per user uplift. Um, that's quite interesting. I think that, to Kevin's point at the start of the session, that might bump those Teams phone activation numbers significantly. Uh, to, to a certain extent, uh, this would also be impacting the service providers or the telcos uh, because one DDI for 1,000 users, uh, the revenue for them would be impacted because for them, uh, monthly recurring cost comes in majorly from the DDIs and the usage, so it would impact them. Uh, but yes, on the number side, the telephony number side, Microsoft would definitely get a larger number of PSTM phone number you know, users enabled because currently those users are only using Teams for Teams to Teams or a wipe calling. Uh, that number would go up uh, significantly if you are uh, having up the shared calling services altogether. Yeah, I think you make a really good point on the carriers. Like, this is not good for the carriers because they potentially make a lot of money on the DDIs because we all know PSG and concurrency is going lower. Now, obviously, you could counter that some a bunch of customers already run like this today. They run on a channel and single DDI model. But does this encourage more customers to go that way? Um, it, it, it doesn't matter to Microsoft because it's not their revenue that's being hit, really. It's, it's the carrier's revenue. This this seems to unlock a lot of SMB opportunity as well, you know, for the, the kind of low end of the, of the market that, that, that has never used DIDs you know, broadly and, and uh, you know, from, a, from a cost perspective. So, yeah, I think a little, you know, uh, small, small shop, that kind of thing. Um, so I, I think there's, there's, a, there's a big sea of opportunity this unlocks. Yep. Uh, with with this, uh, although the calling plan never had the cost for DDIs, uh, but Operator Connect and Direct Routing would be uh, the partners or the telcos where they'll uh, hit, get a significant hit on the numbers if we use the same one single DID. Yeah, and the, the way Microsoft are doing it, they're sharing a calling plan over all of them, but it's, the pay, it's only the pay-as-you-go model. So you have to do pay-as-you-go, and their pay-as-you-go rates are not fantastic compared to the market. So, I mean, over a 1,000 users it probably evens out potentially but there will be an op opportunity for direct routing and operator connect providers to come in and provide on the the old school channel model and say you've got a thousand users we're gonna go 10 percent concurrency 100 channels plus your ddi is, is this much potentially in that smb space this this uh, this seems to hurt carrier even more right? i think you it, at that point i can come in pay microsoft for one calling plan or two calling plans for my my 25 users and I, I don't really need anybody else, and it's it's a pretty simple it's a pretty simple story at that point. Yeah, it'd be interesting to have a look back in sort of six twelve months and see how it's impacted the market actually. Yeah, that is really interesting, and certainly one to get uh, a carrier's opinion on that one at some stage. But anyway, let's move on. Teams phone in India, Tom. Tell us a little bit more about that one. Yeah, this is a good one. Obviously, India, huge market. Um, lots of organisations that I work with actually have big divisions or you know um, sub sub orgs in, in India. India is a bit of a pain from a telco regulatory point of view. It has kind of a uh, uh, like in the UK, it'd be all counties, like different areas that have to break out locally. You have to have local infrastructure. So we could do direct routing in India. You'd, you'd put some kit down, you connect to the local telco. Um, but soon, no date yet, Microsoft are going to work with India partners. So the launch partners are going to be Airtel, Tata Communications, and Tata Telebusiness Services to sell cloud telephony. So Operator Connect in India um, to Indian users and it'll all be 
compliant and legal. So the, the way that will work is the Indian carriers, those three I mentioned and others potentially, will sell some kind of SKU to the customer. So that the service is coming from that carrier and that ticks all the legal regulatory. So it'll be a big unlock for companies that want to do true cloud telephony in India. So with uh, with India and announcement, uh, uh, we did speak with the program team as well on the Indian announcement and they mentioned that the readiness is still happening with all these telcos. Uh, India would be a big market, not only from the enterprise perspective, but also from the number of user base that they have currently in India. The demand is really high. They have been a significant request. Uh, and this itself can scale up the big number of uh, user base on the team's phone enablement as well, because India uh, requests have been predominantly to certain extent some of the requests of 5 to 10 percent have already been fulfilled with direct routing as a service uh, three partners that were announced Airtel uh, Tata Communications and TCL uh, Tata Communications Limited so uh, I spoke with uh, both of the Tata group as well and like one would be focusing on the enterprise and the other one would be focusing majorly on the uh, SMB market within India as well interesting yeah it's a huge market huge potential good stuff let's talk about a product uh, that was also announced at the event which was um max hub tom yeah Ma max hub are the latest oem so um we we keep hearing from microsoft like there's you know we don't need more OEMs doing Teams rooms, but then we get more OEMs doing Teams rooms. So I think this is the 14th or maybe even 15th OEM offering Teams room devices. What's different here is they're really hitting an aggressive price point on a an uplift from BYOD. So if you already got your camera and mic in your room, you're doing bring your own device where you plug in a laptop, they'll be offering kits where you can plug in your um, those existing devices with an MTR system, uh, MTRW, and, and off you go. Uh, and they're also offering some Android-based MTR as well. So uh, yeah, I think they're going for the kind of aggressive price point of the market. This one is uh, is interesting because I think there's this this broader trend and um, quite a bit of, of potential white space where you know organizations have not been able to deploy Teams rooms to some of the smallest of spaces. The, you know, huddle rooms and the small rooms, and um, they've done more BYOD in those scenarios based on both hardware costs and the labor and integration costs attached to Teams rooms. And so as the physical installation is getting simpler, I think this the announcement from MaxHub on the Windows side, we have devices like um, A10 on the Yealink side, and we've got increasing kind of group of, of, uh, of entry level um, products that, that have been introduced. We saw Logic introduce Huddle. But I think all of this is moving to a place that uh, organizations in those smaller spaces um, are going to, one, have a pretty simple options to um, from a physical install where they may end up doing some you know, DIY or having you know, their low voltage vendor or somebody that's not necessarily the traditional integration play. You'll help deploy what is a more full-featured system that has analytics and capabilities and, and go beyond BYOD, you know, at, at costs, you know, at, you know, let's say you know, well south of $1,500 US, um, you know, price points on the hardware side, you know, hopefully getting um, south of, of even $1,000. So it's, it's very interesting. And, and Maxo, you know, comes with um, this, this bolt on to BYOD capability along with 
um, some some peripherals of their own. So if you don't have um, something in there today that you could connect like a, a pop or a, or a bar, um, then you know they have bars and uh, a bar solution. They also have a, a puck and, and webcam solution. But I think this is the beginning of uh, a sea of, of low-cost MTR that, that will help from an adoption perspective um, on the cost side. Really interesting. And just to end, uh, uh, well, not, not just to end, to end the Inspire talk and kind of move on to, uh, and we're going to talk about the antitrust inquiry into Microsoft Teams in a few moments. Tom, there was one update that you've left out today, and I, I know you, this was particularly close to your heart, and that's the Maybelline uh, new app for Microsoft Teams. Now, come on, t tell me more about that one. Uh, like a makeup feature, uh, like filter for Teams, basically. So the kind of Snapchat type filters. Um, it's interesting. I tweeted on this, and uh, th th there's two things here, and they're, they're separate conversations. I kind of make sure they're separate as well. I didn't do a very good job on Twitter. Um, like, I'm not. I'm not entirely sure about like fil face filters for people in general in the whole world. Like I feel like they have some kind of reality distorting. So there's, there's that conversation, which is interesting. But you know, if people want to do them, they want to do them. That's cool. But there's also the fact this is branded Maybelline, which obviously is a commercial organization. And I find it increasingly weird with an enterprise product that you have things like the Oreo, um, you know, uh, uh, Favicon and uh, um, you know, Maybelline filters. Like it, if you're a competitor to Maybelline, do you not roll out that feature? If it was coming from Maybelline and they built it third party and they were promoting it as a fun thing to do, that's cool. Um, but it's kind of, there's this weird relationship building where Microsoft increasingly branding things. And I don't think it's particularly nefarious. I think Microsoft just want teams to be hip and cool and people like those fun features. But um, yeah, it kind of rubs me up the wrong way when I see like co-branded features, uh, which are you know kind of semi-sponsored, semi-not. Where's, where's the money going for that kind of thing is interesting. From a hybrid perspective, so I'm so sorry. Yeah, I was just saying, from a hybrid perspective, I think some of that functionality um, really is powerful. I guess this idea on the day so that I don't have to come into the office if you know, don't have to put makeup on or do you know if something could put um, you know do some some basics. Uh, I think it, it really can um, can make life a little bit easier for folks that we want video on. And um, in the days that they're not in the office, I think as much as it can feel kind of silly uh, i think some of this actually has a has a real impact on the hybrid side yeah and there was a lot of feedback along those terms ryan that was like this this helped a lot of people feel more camera ready and i guess that's a positive thing um i just i, I kind of you look at the way some of the uh, like the TikTok beauty filters work and stuff and it's almost like a completely different person at that point i don't know quite i, I don't know where the line is on this as to where it's you know acceptable or not and i guess it's a whole societal issue well it it's it's, you know, the other thing is you, you get an eye on as an out, someone from the outside, hey, I've been waiting on this business critical feature parity feature to be released forever. And you're telling me you just put all that dev work into fake makeup. <laughs> it's like, I, you know, I, I have a bit of a problem with that from a dev side. I, not, not I, but the other others kind of look at that, like, where are your priorities exactly here? And, but I, I think there is a wider conversation, though, it, it'll be interesting to see how it unfolds about where the line is, you know, where, 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 where do we, where do we stop taking more and more pieces of what make us human and just let it be whatever we want it to be? 
Um, how do where where is the line between keeping that conversation natural and real and feeling natural to where uh, you just have no idea if you're talking with a person or a dog anymore, you know? Uh, uh, but it, it's it's yeah, it, it's going in some interesting directions. Um, some of which I'm not a personal fan of, but I get the benefit for a lot of people that are advocates for it. Um, so I just, I think there's a line that uh, collectively as people, we have to kind of decide, look, where, where does it make sense for us to communicate in the business world? And where does it start to become too blurry of lines? Welcome to the matrix, Josh. Final uh, news item for today, we said we'd talk about the EU antitrust inquiry into Microsoft Teams bundling, Tom, and this goes way back, doesn't it, with, with, since you know Slack put that ad advert in, in the newspaper that time. Um, and and it, like a Jack Russell, it's not going away for Microsoft, is it? Yes, yeah, so I think we reported on this at the time. So um, obviously, when when Teams first launched, Slack did that whole, you know, welcome to the new ways of working, you know, good luck. Uh, and very quickly, Teams did quite well, and then Slack were laughing a lot less. Um, Slack, and I don't think that this is ungrounded, Slack um, complained to the EU that it's anti-competitive that Microsoft have such a lock on the Office suite to bundle in unified communications. That suite is an unfair advantage. Um, and this harks back to the kind of browser bundling of old. So Microsoft got big fines and got told off for um, bundling their browser in Windows, which was considered anti-competitive because they obviously own the desktop and therefore they bundle the browser. Um, they they produced a different version of Windows, which had what's called a browser ballot, so you could choose which browser you preferred. Um, and they they let that go accidentally for a while, and they got fined again. Um, funny enough, in the end, the browser thing, like Google just built a better browser, and everybody used Chrome and Internet Explorer lost market share, regardless of that advantage, which is quite interesting. Um, but the same thing is happening again here, where um, Slack and others have complained to the EU that it's anti-competitive to have Teams bundled so tightly with Office. Um, Microsoft and the EU were talking. Uh, there was nothing official announced from either party, but there were various reports of how can we make this, you know, do we create a SKU without Teams in? Do we charge an extra couple of dollars for Teams? They couldn't make an agreement. So now there's an official antitrust investigation. Um, these things move super, super slowly. So the EU will look into it and decide if it's unfair that Microsoft bundle teams with Office and you might potentially see some kind of alternate skew where you're like, I buy M365 minus teams and I have to pay extra for teams in Europe. And that gives the opportunity for another partner to say, we can do the same thing for a similar price. Um, I think it's a little bit late now. We're at 300 million MAU. So like stopping that momentum is going to be tough. But um, uh, net net, I think it's good. We have big commissions like the EU looking at this stuff to make sure the market's competitive. We need choices. We need competition to keep everybody at, at their A game. Good stuff. Okay. Well, we've covered loads of ground there today, uh, gents. Um, but finally, I think we should just plug a couple of up and coming uh, events. What do you think, Tom? Yeah, we've got a couple of, uh, of good things coming up. It's uh, quieter in August, but September, um, we've got Jamie Stark coming on the Teams Fireside Chats. That's our monthly get-together where we have a guest and we answer Teams questions. Uh, Jamie has been in this space as, as long as most of us on this call, so he used to actually look after the Microsoft MVPs for 
uh, OCS and Link way back in the day, um, but now he's a principal program manager and he's focused on the admin elements of Teams phone for admin center. So quite a, quite a deep area there of getting into how the Teams admin center phone admin functionalities work, which should be fun. Um, and also then later in September, we've got uh, Michelle Boehm, who's a, a, a Teams, uh, what's his title now? Technical specialist, essentially. Um, and he's coming over from the Netherlands to speak at the Microsoft UC User Group London. And we're having it at the Cisco offices in London. So there's, again, two, two massive worlds coming together where we're actually going to have the Microsoft User Group event at Cisco. They're going to show some of their kit, and we're going to go through the Microsoft Teams devices kind of vision roadmap as well. Cool. And as we saw at the uh, UC Awards this uh, just a couple of weeks ago, you know, Cisco really took it home when it comes to pro when it comes to hardware. They're, they're really pushing. They're really serious about getting some share in the Microsoft Teams room space. Like they're spending a lot of time in the community. They're looking at all the options. They're adding features. So, uh, yeah, there's some hot hot competition in that space for sure. Good stuff. And uh, last but not least, we do have. Uh, UCX uh, Europe um, based in, it will be at the London XL in London on the 4th and 5th of October, Tom. Will you be there? Yeah, I'll be there. I'm looking forward to that one, actually. That's the big one for us in, in London and, and Europe. Uh, I'm doing a customer panel on the first day and a session with Microsoft on Teams, Teams Roadmap and what's coming. So uh, a two-day event, really, really worthwhile. Every, everybody in the industry is there, and it's, uh, it's a good one for, for customers to get in on the latest of what's going on around kind of UC and Collab. Yeah, fantastic. Good stuff. Well, that's it from us. Uh, if you're new to UC Today, subscribe. And if you're not, then do give us a like or a comment or a share. It's always appreciated. And if you're a Microsoft Teams fan and want to be part of the conversation, you can always connect with Tom, myself, and our guest speakers on LinkedIn and Twitter, or should I now call it X. Thanks to Tom. Thanks to our guest speakers. Thanks to everyone for joining us. And we'll be back next, again next month. I'm Rob Scott from UC Today. Thanks for watching. <laughs>